Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We're going to talk about the comics that were released on January 29th, 2020, starting with Action Comics number 1019. Uh, so this issue sort of feels like a weird nexus point. This arc in general has been a weird nexus point between like the stuff that was going on in Action when Bendis first took over and then the Leviathan stuff, and then also some Year of the Villain stuff. It sort of all comes together here. Uh, it is, of course, written by Brian Bendis. It is illustrated, I'm putting that in quotation marks, by uh, John Romita Jr. Because, guys, this is the worst-looking J.R.J.R. book I've ever seen, and I've seen some bad J.R.J.R. books. Yeah, I know I'm notorious for being the J.R.J.R. defender, but this is really bad. It's... It's not good. I mean, I'm like flipping through this issue and I'm wondering if JRJR has actually ever seen a gorilla before in his life. It looks like a broom. <laughs> Rod looks like a broom in this. It it's, is so bad. It's really not good at all. <laughs> um, no, the the cover alone. Can we? I, I stopped and marveled at the cover because <laughs> because I couldn't. I mean, I knew that that was Leviathan based on context the, clues? The, the, yeah. based on the content of the previous uh, issues. But I mean, does that look like Leviathan at all? N not really. <laughs> I'm dropping something into our chat here, which is a, 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 a like a, a series of panels from the issue. That yes, were so bad. I'm so glad you. I'm so glad you showed this because it reminded me. The okay, so. You've got Leviathan, and then you've got a Grodd and a, a cheetah. cheetah. Like, reaction face, essentially. Nut faces. To, to I hate the smell... Leviathan's saying, I hate the smell of burnt ape, right? Yeah. Tell me that those two, that the Grodd and the Cheetah there do not look like stop-motion characters from a Wes Anderson, <laughs> like, Fantastic Mr. Fox. You know yes, what I'm talking about? Yes, That's absolutely. like when... It, yeah, yes. <laughs> what the cuss are you talking about, Vince? Exactly, but I don't mean that as a compliment. No, of I mean that not. as like. Also, I feel like I don't know what part of Leviathan I'm looking at there. I presume that's his face in profile, but there are those <laughs> weird lights. You really can't tell. Like it's just a, it's a terribly yeah. rendered image, and it's the same image twice too. It is. Yeah, it looks like Iron Man eating a Toblerone. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it looks like a it looks like a bunch of Lego pieces put together. It's uh... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's bad it's really it, bad yeah it's bad <laughs> uh sorry jrgr i'm not sorry he should be better <laughs> at his job yes i know you're right uh i also this is this is weird uh, this is a weird nitpick but <laughs> there's that scene um it's on page seven of the pdf where like so brainiac starts to like send out some tech thing and then leviathan puts his hand together hands together and makes like a like cyber vacuum cleaner <laughs> yep that then actually turns into like a cyclone that absorbs whatever it is that brainiac makes yeah so maybe it actually really is a vacuum cleaner <laughs> a but... dyson cyclone whatever that thing is called <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> um just so just really weird mm, it is weird um, I, I also liked how everybody on that Leviathan Island or Leviathan planet 
mm-hmm. whatever, that futuristic city, they're all wearing clothes from the clothing line of Kanye West. <laughs> they're all wearing like ill-fitting brown, br- brown and tan and green robes. Um, what is the name of his clothing line? Um, I uh, isn't it just? Oh, is it his mom's name? Is it? Uh, that might be Donda. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that that's right. Maybe. Yeah. Or else it's just Yeezy, or or who yeah. gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter. Um. Yeah, this is rough. Hey, JR... And the comic. Sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was no, gonna no, say is. There's a couple of other like JRGR decisions that I just don't understand. Like, th- so there's Batman in some sort of bat armor throughout this issue, which is basically just like an, it's not even an armorized bat suit. It's an armorized Black Panther suit, and it's it's very clear that he's drawing Black Panther. There are a bunch of scenes where there's people like heroes lying on the ground that have been hurt or something they just their their anatomies make no sense in the positions in which they're laying it's just such a lazy comic uh-huh. um and i know that he's a name and that once you're a name you can get away with more but if this was a new artist if there was a new artist turning in this level of work they would never work for dc again just saying yeah um all right that that's the end of my jrgr spiel what were you gonna say okay. vince I was just going to say, like, this this issue is weirdly trying to um, trying to combine all the different things that are kind of going on at DC, but particularly particularly involving Bendis. So like his Superman stuff, the Leviathan stuff and the the Snyder Justice League stuff and and. There, there's some merit to that, I think, but the way that he's structuring these issues, and he's done it for like two or three issues now, um, feels very piecemeal, right? Like, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. Especially the way that he's setting certain certain aspects of the story in the past, and then some in the present. I, I just don't. There's not really any reason why he couldn't have told this chronologically because it's not like you're it's not like you're um getting information that was not revealed in snyder's justice league until a certain time so he couldn't reveal it you know what i mean sure i will say sorry zach go ahead or do you disagree we might be about to say the same thing maybe um i i was just gonna say i mostly agree with you i do agree with you about like the legion of doom stuff but I do kind of like the reveal at the end of this issue that exactly this whole like say. fight, yeah, this fight that's been going on for the last couple of issues is just setting up to allow uh, the Red Cloud or whatever her name is to come in and and merc Superman, um, mm. and then also gives them a great chance to reuse the the uh, Doom logo from that uh, that do you remember that Doomsday? crossover in the new 52 the oh, i'm pretty yes. sure that's the same doom logo <laughs> really used yeah which was jrjr JR part of that or was he right after that 
man. Um, I think he was right after. I'm gonna that. say right after, yeah, because I think that was before like the truth stuff happened. Yeah, it definitely was right before. Because if you remember, I think that arc ended with a tease of convergence. For convergence. Yeah. Of Superman yeah. and Red Undies. Yep. Drawn by um. Oh, somebody good, Aaron Cooter. Aaron Cooter, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Good stuff. But yeah, riff on that a little bit more, Brian. Yeah. Since I kind of. Well, what I was going to say was, you know, I feel like, Vince, you're right. The most of the Revelation stuff was so lazy and pointless. And I feel like, yes, you have to catch action readers up on this, but it's 2020. There's the internet. People just look this stuff up, I feel like. So, and there are countless sites that are going to explain it to you, trust yes, me. Yes, exactly. So I, I feel oh. like this is less of a problem than it was, uh, you know, at various times throughout comics history. Uh, interestingly enough, I'm, I'm rereading Zero Hour right now, and that was the, there was a brief period of time where they stopped doing editor's boxes. So things are happening left and right that because it's an almost 30-year-old comic, I have no fucking clue what they were. And there's like there's not even the beginning of a clue. That usually it's you know read this issue for the explanation. None of that whatsoever. Uh, so even just some editors boxes here would have been plenty to explain this stuff. But I do think that the revelation that that all of this is a ruse to get the Red Cloud to kill Superman is a well played. Uh, it, it's a well played beat in the story. I, I liked that. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was so I, I was an issue behind, so I read both last month's and this month's in the same sitting. I believe it was last month that we had the scene with the fire chief running for mayor, right? Yeah. I actually thought that was a pretty well done scene um, in this comic. Although, I, I did have a question for you guys. I know we're not talking about that issue, but... Did it seem odd to you that Superman would endorse a candidate for something? Doesn't that seem very un-Superman? Man, now I'm wondering if I didn't read that issue because I don't remember that. I thought I was all caught up, but that's mm. also funny because if it, if I did, I skipped an issue and missed nothing in this, or feel like I I, I feel like this picked up right where I remembered. <laughs> well, yeah. I thought we I thought we talked about that issue, but no, maybe we didn't. not. We didn't. No, we talked one two issues ago. Okay, Man, well maybe I skipped that one. Anyway, I I think you're right, Brian. But I think I think the storyline almost addresses that because like uh, Clark is trying to wrestle with right. what he it, what he sure. deems as responsibility. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah, he's he's playing with what his if he can if he has to basically if he can still interact with things the same way that he used yeah. to. So okay, I, yeah. okay. I will I will buy that argument. Yeah. Um, I mean I think you are I think you're right. I think in the past Superman never would have done that, but I I don't think I don't think it is mischaracterizing Superman to to have him do that if he's going through a time in his life where he thinks he needs to change the way that he operates, you know. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I I buy that explanation. Thank you for indulging me. Mm-hmm. Um anything else to say about this issue? Nah. It's fine. Superman is so clearly the better book at this point, though. Yeah. 
Which, yeah, which is so weird because this one was far and away the best in the first arc, I think. So <laughs> it's it's kind of weird how that's happened, how that's shifted. It's weird that action has become the book that is very tied into the overall DC universe. Mm-hmm. And Superman is the book that is very much tied into Bendis's bullshit. And I don't mean that <laughs> derogatory. I just mean, like, it's tied into Legion and stuff like that, you know? And so it's very easy to see which one Bendis is more excited about right now. Mm-hmm. And so am I. I mean, that's not really a, a, a dig on Bendis, because I am certainly more interested in this book, rather in his books, than I am the overall DC universe right now. Um, by the way, so I guess it's uh, coming in April is that new Event Leviathan Checkmate miniseries. Oh, yeah. Which is hopefully the end of Event Leviathan. No. Oh, I feel no, like it's going to be a trilogy. Trilogy. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a trilogy. Yep. I don't return, think you're wrong. Return of the Leviathan. Yeah. But what if we get a Checkmate book spinning out of this? Well, that might yes. be worth it. Absolutely. And I honestly would not be surprised if it was written by Raka mm-hmm. um, at this point. So, oh, one that... one more thing while we're just talking about April stuff because the solicits went up last week for that. Did you guys see that in that Wonder in that sorry, excuse me, in the Catwoman 80th anniversary, there is a, an epilogue to Brubaker's Catwoman story written by Brubaker, illustrated by Cameron Stewart? Yes. Uh yep. no, I did not see that. I feel like that's not getting enough play. That's awesome. Yeah. First Brubaker stuff since since when? Gosh, I don't even know. Yeah, that that is huge. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's jump into the finale of Green Lantern Black Stars, illustrated written by Grant Morrison, illustrated by Zermanico, and uh, Vince. I want to let you start this because I think you've been the most vocal Black Stars boy thus far <laughs> i don't know zach has liked it a lot you've liked black stars right zach i have liked it yeah i don't i yeah. feel like we're both the black stars boys i i i don't necessarily dislike it but i feel like you guys are more into it than i am so you guys okay. can start well here's the thing <laughs> no, yeah. no 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 i don't i don't think that this is bad but it but it ended man it is both so morrison the way that it ended and also like it feels like there was editorial interference where there probably really was none this feels like the ending the end of this feels like the end of his action comics to me where it kind of just peters out to an obvious conclusion and it's very much like the the Hal wins with the power of friendship type thing. <laughs> um, but that's not really the point. And I don't think that that's usually the point of a, a Morrison comic. And so I think like um, that's like the least interesting or exciting part of the, of the series is how it all ends. Um, but that's not what I come to a Grant Morrison book for in the first place. So there's so much about this that I do like. Like, I, I love the character of Beelzebeth. 
even though the ending wasn't all that satisfying to me, like her her ending, I suppose. Um, but I really liked their relationship and how like she she thinks that she and Hal could have like ruled the world as some like weird vampire queen and and her like house husband or whatever. Yeah, she she basically said she was gonna eat his head. Remember? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, that's a great. Her, line. Yeah, her version. Yeah. Yes, we could have been beautiful. Whatever. Yeah. I would have eaten your head. Yeah. <laughs> In part of some. Weird mating ritual. <laughs> it reminded me of uh, the the scene in Jackie Brown where uh, Samuel Jackson kills um, Robert De Niro, and he's like, "What happened to you, man? Your ass used to be beautiful." <laughs> I feel yeah. like that's what, that's what she yeah. basically says to him. Um, yeah. Yes. What yep. did you guys think of Hal Jordan calling someone an ass hat? <laughs> <laughs> I felt like that was more of Morrison uh, commenting on modern comics. <laughs> I feel like, I you know the, what I mean? but here's the thing though. Here's I don't disagree with you, but how many times do we excuse Morrison for dumb shit because we think he's commenting on something? Whereas, <laughs> oh, whereas Dan yeah, Jurgens could have time. his Dan Jurgens could have his tongue like poking through his cheek doing that, and we'd be like fucking Jurgens with his bullshit dialogue. <laughs> we give we give Morrison the benefit of the doubt with all of that stuff. You're, yes, you're not wrong. Yeah. You are. Yeah. You are so not wrong. I will own up to every bit of that. <laughs> yeah. This actually, I I didn't like this issue very much. I thought it was, I won't say it was bad, but I thought it was boring, which I rarely ever say about Morrison comics. This whole yeah. series was boring. Mm. Yeah, well, no, last issue was interesting, and I and I thought this was good until like halfway through. I I really did not like this miniseries that much. Um, I saw a lot of promise here, and like Zermanico's art is dope. I have no issue with him. This just seems to me like Morrison said, "Okay, we're going to end season one of the Green Lantern. We're going to take a few months off so that Liam Sharp can rest his hand, and then we're going to come back." And the deal was like, "But what if there was more?" And then <laughs> this is like the answer to that. Like, I, I guess I can tell this this side story. I don't think that this is like essential to anything. And I don't even think yeah. it's fun enough to be a diversion. Like, I'm all for, hey, Morrison, you want to do three issues of some batshit crazy stuff? Here, buddy, go to town. But this is like this is more boring than that should be. If that was the mandate, then this is more boring than that. If it was supposed to be important, it's not important enough for that. And if it was supposed to be a, a big part of the second season, I guess we'll wait and see. But I don't think it's going to be. No, I don't think it I think it. I think we're essentially done with this. Status quo. Yeah. Oh, for sure. We're done. Yeah, for sure. Like, I I feel like Belzebeth will come back, maybe, in some maybe. way. I wouldn't be surprised, but, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't care much for this. It was fine. I mean, look, yeah. if, if we have to read this, or um, I'm trying to think of, what, like, a generic book is at DC or Justice League Odyssey I'll take this every time right because for sure because there's enough in Morrison's DNA that he can't do something that boring but I just feel like for a Morrison comic this is incredibly dull and I'll also say that there is just there is so few even when it started and you don't know the conceit of like they're in the bleed etc 
there is still no stakes to this thing. You know this isn't going to be anything. And so, again, if it's not going to matter, make it fun. And it wasn't fun enough for that. So that's that's my that's my piece on this book. Yeah. Uh, I do have a couple other things, unless, Zach, do you have anything? Mm-hmm. Uh, Atrocitus finally showed up. I was kind of wondering if he was going to mm-hmm. be in this because of the, the Yzmal demons. Uh, I think that's like the only interesting thing <laughs> that I saw. I don't, I don't, I don't really remember anything else. Remember, remember when Atrocitus was like the new shit? Yep. Yeah. Like, around like shortly before and then right after the new 52 started he was like all over the place and he was the thing yeah i mean red lanterns had an ongoing which is insane yes Mm -hmm. an ongoing went on for like 30 issues um yeah i was at the laundromat maybe like a year or two into the new 52 and there was a guy there wearing a red lanterns like hoodie (laughs) and i remember i remember thinking like I can't believe that here I am seeing a guy wearing a colored lantern core piece of clothing and I don't want to talk to him about it. I yeah. Oh, no, away. no, no. You, know? you have to pretend you never saw it. Exactly. No yeah. idea what this. Yeah, but if you had could told you, me, like, you imagine... if you had told me 2007 that I'd feel that way, I would never have believed you. <laughs> I would have thought, like, this could is you... a brother. This is a, this is a compatriot, but no, no. Could, could you imagine if he oh. caught your glance and he knew that you were, that you were looking at his shirt <laughs> and he knew? He just went, you rage, imagine? bro. <laughs> he have given you a devil horns hand symbol. Yeah. And... Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So I have a couple things on this, and one of them is a question. But I'm going I'm to save the question for last. One thing I think is interesting that that Morrison was doing, and I I don't know whether it was intentional or not, I, I tend to think it wasn't. I tend to think it was coincidence just because I don't know how plugged in Morrison is to what's going on. Oh, right. I forgot that I wanted to talk about this. I know where you're going. Okay. John's, like, uh, Depresso versus John, uh, essentially killing Superman and saying that he's here to replace you, or, or he's I'm here to replace you, uh, and, that, and that all the young heroes in the in the DCU essentially are meant to be replacing the old heroes who won't get out of the way. Is that what you're talking about, Zach? It's actually not. So okay. Oh, okay. So that's the first thing. That. So that's the first thing, which to me sounds like that's a comment on 5g, right now. Surely Grant Morrison has heard the rumblings just by being buddy, buddy with DC about what they've been planning but I feel like it's coincidence that that little plot point ended up in this issue. Agreed. Although, if the last issue was so much about Morrison roasting <laughs> modern comics like Tom King and, and and Scott Snyder, right? Like, and Bendis. There's a little part of me that thinks that would be pretty cool if... Uh, 5G was something that he was commenting on here even though this had to have been written, you know, before that, that before, I mean, that was like, that would have been a germ of an idea in somebody's mind. Right. Yeah. Um, Can I ask a question sorry, about I, that before yeah. we go to the next thing? Yes. 
do you guys think Morrison will be involved at all with 5G? I have been thinking that too. Uh, I'm I'm gonna guess probably not. <laughs> I don't think he'd be interested in that. See, I, I, I kind of feel like he would be. Really? Well, because he, he was... I kind of feel like he would be too. Oh, yeah. God, that, well, see, my thinking was he wouldn't be on board for that. But if DC is looking to do something alongside 5g that's not mainline continuity but could possibly generate interest i was thinking that would be the perfect time for morrison to be off doing multiversity 2 which we know that he has somewhere in the back of his mind right sure um no but i I feel like morrison's whole thing is like comics have to move forward Oh, that would change the game. If what if what if he's the Jeff Johns of the five G? He's not. He's not. What, oh, what he's, not. He he's not. <laughs> no, he he won't be. What if I, he I, be? I mean, he'll do a book. I would not be surprised if he did a book. So, that would so, change the game for me. So if he my, did a but, book, that would that would trip my trigger. But so. you know, it is funny because like five G is so much like I feel like so much of the like seed for that like his fifth world fifth world yeah what if he's doing fifth world that'd be insane (laughs) so here's my question is what what book is he gonna get in 5g what character is he going to move forward fifth world it's just gonna be fifth world Uh, well fifth world is like the is like the heroes like it's, it's like it's like the justice league yeah but like the old justice league I could see that. <laughs> I could see that. I don't know. Anyway, um, I'm trying to think what other uh, what other book he would be like a logical fit for. I'm trying to think of a character that he's written before but never had an ongoing for. Um, um, well, Wonder Woman is one. That would be weird, though. Yeah, I don't think he, he would be done, that. He's done year one, or not year one, Earth one, though. Yeah. Well, Brian said a character he's written but not done an ongoing. What I, was I know, thinking, but it, I mean, like, Earth one's kind of an ongoing. Yeah. Wow. What, what I was going to say is, like, I think it would be great if they did a Son of Frankenstein, taking <laughs> Frankenstein's place, and he did that because he wrote him in Seven Soldiers. Yeah. Um, what if What if he did Son of Seven Soldiers? Yes. <laughs> or what What if he did like a young Zatanna, like the next big, the next, the next uh, sorcerer or whatever? Yeah. I just feel like he's done everything now. He hasn't done Aquaman, right? His Aquaman take no. would be great too. Have you guys seen the rumors that the Francis Manipul Aquaman Earth One thing is maybe gonna get retooled into 5G? Yeah, I think we've talked about it. Maybe, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember. You know what he should do? You know what Morrison should do? Come on our show. He sh- yeah. Yes. yes. No, I'd be too nervous to talk to him. He's the god. Um. He so he's done JLA already. He should do. A like, bwahaha, <laughs> JL, JLA, JLI, whatever you wanna. He should he should do something like that. 
but no, in the... I want him to come back and do. You know what I actually really wanted to do along what? that same line. Yes, Vince. Yes, because <laughs> I was gonna say I want him to do more. No, I was gonna say I want him to do more super young team, which then made me think of like the like the the great ten. But bouncing off of what you said, I want him to do a JLI. Yeah. And see, yeah. what I was going to say is I want him to do – all right, so you know how the Legion is inspired by Superman and that's how the Legion begins? I want him to do the heroes inspired by the Legion, like 30 oh. centuries after the Legion. I want him to go uh. buck wild future stuff. Uh-huh. Oh, that'd be interesting. Because if Bendis yeah. wasn't doing the Legion, I'd say Morrison should do the Legion. It would be so impenetrable. <laughs> but it would be a lot of fun. Yes, it would. He should do Legion Lost. Yeah. He, should um, do the exact he same needs thing to as the new get around to doing Multiversity 2. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I, what if he is ending his... Well, they ended his Green Lantern run early so that he could write... He could focus on a 5G book. That'd be... Oh, man. Oh, man. I'd be so excited. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he could already be done writing Green Lantern. Yeah. But you know what I mean. Like, yes. Uh, Liam Sharp said that they're ending it early, so... Yeah, how early, though? It's not, it's not very early, right? Eight. It was supposed to be another 12, and now oh, it's okay. eight. Okay. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Okay, that's interesting. Oh, yes, then I guarantee he's doing a 5G thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not have that information. We, we, yes. we have the Wilkersonian a guarantee here. So <laughs> Guarantee. It's happening for sure. Um, um, no, you know, you know the thing that I thought you were about to talk about, Vince, when you said you're not sure how plugged into things Morrison is. Um I thought it was really weird how he like had the black stars who are kind of bad <laughs> create like this communist paradise. Um, like Leviathan. Yeah. 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 That was my other note. I, I did have that in the notes here that, that he essentially remade a world according to like commander or controller moves, uh, Wishes or whatever, which is very Leviathan. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, I kind of hope that maybe like season two of Green Lantern will cast this in a different light, but I mean, I'm glad it was only three issues. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have more to say about this, Vince? I did. I had one more thing, and it's my question. Okay. And this is, I'm I'm probably going to sound like an idiot, and I'm going to show my ass in a big way, probably, um, and nobody wants to see that. But when when Morrison says, and he uses the term several times over the course of this series, when he calls it Universe 15. When Hal says he writes over Universe 15, which was a barren world that had no Green Lanterns on it, is my understanding, and this is gonna this is gonna make me sound like an idiot, but my understanding is that Earths are Earths and universes are the greater thing that contains the Earths. Yes. 
So when he keeps using universe, universe 15, universe 15 is an entire universe. That well, has well, okay. Okay. I have, I have started keeping our multiversity guidebook next to me when we record. Uh-huh. Earth-15, the so-called perfect universe, was destroyed during a rampage by the deranged and so-called Superboy Prime of Earth-33, during which billions of fictional lives were lost, and the delicate structure of space-time itself was, tempor- was irreparably damaged. A solitary, immensely powerful fragment of this universe, known as the Cosmic Grail, is said to remain hidden somewhere among the many wor- worlds of the multiverse. Yes. And the image next to it is that of a Green Lantern, like the lantern yes. itself. Which which we already saw earlier in this issue, I believe they returned to the Cosmic Grail. Yes. Uh, or earlier in this, uh, in, in I think in his the Green Lantern stuff. Yes. Yes. So 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 what I'm asking then, because I I know we've seen this before, but what I'm asking is he's he's using those terms interchangeably. I believe so. Yes. Because doing our crisis read through, uh, as I did over this last weekend. It was very clear about using the term universe. Yes. Dis- distinctly from the term Earth. Yes. And so I think Morrison's probably just playing fast and loose with it. I don't think it matters that much. I, I, like, it definitely doesn't matter to me, other than I just wanted to make sure I understood that when, when he said Universe 15, he meant the Earth 15 that was destroyed. Yeah, I think they can be used interchangeably, though, generally. Well, I think, I think, no, I think they can be because Earth is kind of the the focal point of the universe. Right. I just know, I just know that cosmology in the past, certain writers haven't like that distinction is made in crisis that they're they're never called universe one, universe two. That's all I'm saying. But don't they... I think because he re- he rewrote the whole reality. Yes. So it, I think in that context, context it makes sense. Yep. Yeah. I think you're right. Don't they also say stuff like, um, like the the universe of Earth two? Maybe. I think they say stuff like that, which is essentially saying universe two. Yeah. Yep. Um. Sure. All right. Uh, But that that was not a dumb question, Vince. That was a good question. Okay. You've never had a dumb question. Well, that's not true. Our listeners will remind me of all the stupid shit I've said over the years, (laughs) I'm sure. Um, So uh, we should have talked about this before we started recording, but do we want to save Justice League for last? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So let's talk about suicide, Suicide Squad number two right now um and we'll come back around to justice league so suicide squad number two written by tom taylor illustrated by bruno redondo um i know we've given redondo's a lot of praise in the last year or so because he has gotten really really good and i think this issue is a really good example of what he does well there's a lot of really good use of uh like not lettering, but words being used as part of the art. Like there's a there's a big onomatopoeia of bang when someone is shot. There's a page where the there's something is happening inside the letters of Suicide Squad. 
I feel like his layouts are just really, really clever and really well played in this issue. And I think that Redondo's art goes a long way in what's sort of a muddled issue to make the the issue worth reading. What say you guys? I agree with that. Um, I, I don't know if I think that this issue is necessarily muddled. What do you, what do you, what do you find muddily about it? Well, th- there were two things I, I felt. Uh, first of all, I just don't know half of these characters all that well yet. And so I feel like there was a lot of me going back to reference the last issue to figure out who some of these folks are and what their deal is. And part of that's on me and my just Swiss cheese brain. I don't retain this stuff all that well anymore. Reading 12 issues of the Terrifics. Yes, that also. <laughs> Dude, no, I, I read this before I read 12 issues I know, of the Terrifics. I know, Thank I you know, very much. Um, joke here. But yeah, but you know, all that stuff just kind of doesn't stick together that well. And I just felt like the... Um, I know why it was structured the way it was, but I don't think that the structure, in terms of starting and ending with the same action, I don't know if that worked as well as it was supposed to. Ooh, I disagree. (laughs) I think I do too, actually. I might fall somewhere in the middle. I may not feel as strong about it as Vince, but I kind of liked it. I I didn't think it was bad. You love this issue? I love this issue. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you too strongly because your, your, your experience reading it is your own, you know, mm-hmm. but for me, for me, that just worked. That is a perfect example for me of, you know, messing with chronology with a purpose because we're supposed to be, I think at this point, Brian, what you're saying about not knowing these characters all that well, uh, that's true from like, uh, if you don't remember from the first issue to now what their powers were or who, or, or um, what their origins were necessarily. Right. I remember that um, Lagoon boy has a twin. You know? Yeah. Yes. Finn. Thank you. Yeah, he, yeah. He's not Lagoon boy. Um, but I think the thing about that's really smart about this run so far is that we're not, we are not entirely sure what these characters are thinking or what their motives are particularly because we don't know them all that well yet. You know, mm-hmm. there are a few times in this issue where a character gives like a knowing glance or like, a they, they appear to the, 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 the kind of revolutionary team appears to be speaking to one another wordlessly with little nods or looks and it's leaving dead shot, like totally in the weeds. Mm-hmm. And all of that is done with a, a really strong purpose, I think. And I think yes, the way I agree the, with that, yeah, and I think that the way that the they have like an unspoken communication that the rest of the Suicide Squad couldn't possibly understand yet, you know, and the beginning of the issue confounds the reader because you, they don't want to reveal at the start of the issue what the Osita and and the rest of the the Revolution team. Uh, or resistance or whatever you want to call them, uh, what, what their motives in this whole thing are or what they're going to do without telling Deadshot, you know? And, and so to show that in the beginning and give you a, a real shocking, violent moment up front is very Suicide Squad. And then to show you at the end of the issue what actually happened makes you think differently about those characters in some way. And I think that that 
I think that uses our lack of knowledge in them to its advantage. Um, okay. I, un, I, unlike the Tom King bullshit where he, <laughs> he, you know, sprinkles uh, varied chronology throughout his comics for, for no real reason, you sure, know? Sure. All right. I, I will, I will see you that I, I, I'm not arguing with that necessarily. I, I think you made a lot of good points. I guess my point is that I don't think, I think part of it is you're supposed to be deceived as to who kills the, the, the politician. Yep. And I feel like I, I never thought it was Deadshot. And so I know you're maybe supposed to think it was Deadshot, and that's part oh. of the reveal. But I never saw that. I don't I and I didn't think it was Deadshot either, but I because he because he has a look of surprise on his face, right? right. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was some other you know, a guard or something. Oh, okay. See, I, I guess I just I'm I'm instantly suspicious of this other team. Okay. So the reveal wasn't surprising to me, I guess. Um again, I, I don't think it's bad. I, I just I guess that didn't work as well for me as the rest of the issue did. Okay. All right. That's fine. Zach, what say you about that? You said you were in the middle of us. Well, I I just liked this issue a lot. I think it was maybe my favorite thing I read this week. Um, I I really liked the the bait and switch. I liked. I feel like this issue did a really good job of fleshing out a few of these characters a little bit more. Um, just like small little beats, like the stuff with uh, what is it, Finn, not Lagoon Boy. The stuff with him and, and King Shark was really good. The stuff oh, it's, with the it's characters. That's just, just the shark. Oh, just the shark. King Shark is different. Well, yeah, the shark is a different character. Yeah. Then King Shark. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I presume that's because they're going to be able to kill this one, and they wouldn't necessarily want to kill the other one. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm serious. Yeah. No, but you're, I, I'm laughing because yes. you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um. The, the stuff with the characters on the plane was was good. Um, the art is really good. Yeah, I just liked this a lot. Um, Tom Taylor's good. It, yeah. This is definitely the most interesting that Suicide Squad has been since those like three Alishcott issues. Mm-hmm. And if you discount those, this is the most interesting Suicide Squad has been since the 90s? <laughs> yeah. I uh, I love the asshole uh, Waller replacement still. I, I really liked him in the first issue. And, uh, like, a character you love to hate, right? Like, he's so slimy. And he, ta- he talks about... Uh, in you know the u.s meddling in an election to install uh, a quote-unquote democratically elected uh replacement president in in badnesia or whatever it's called um which is so like man i are don't get mad at us listeners but this is the week of politics at dc by the yeah, way it is like yeah. uh in Oh, I know. You're you're already grabbing at your tie. Um mm. just just thinking about Justice League. <laughs> but uh mm. but but like even action comics, like uh Leviathan is Bernie. 
<laughs> Not me, us. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and this is this is Wait, totally so, 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 so is Leviathan like teaming up with the Legion of Doom, like Bernie publicizing Joe Rogan's endorsement? It's precise. Okay. It's exactly okay. the same. Yeah. Lex, Lex, yeah. Lex Luthor, you give him a little bit of DMT, Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> Entirely. Hum- humongous brain. <laughs> because Joe Rogan's is swelled because of CTE. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's how CTE works. No, sure I don't not. think it does. That's yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We get it. You know, like him being on Anavar or whatever he's using to get really buff is uh, is basically the Apex Lex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not. I'm not a fan. I don't want anyone to think I'm a fan of that show. But um, uh, yes, no. This is the week of politics at DC, and 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 the the commentary here about the U.S. meddling in the affairs of a foreign country like this is uh, kind of refreshing, but also like, yeah, I don't know. It's good. It feels very suicide squad. Like, I feel like this is the stuff that, that the, the sort of thing that DC comics in the eighties did a little more of, you know? Um, and I like it. Yeah. I like this a lot. I thought uh, Bruno Redondo's uh, art, this, all the stuff you said, Brian, which was brilliant, but also just like at the end when you see how the how everything really turns out, he did a very clear job of showing you the actions of this team contrasted with the with the vocals or the audio that would have been would have been happening at that time. The kind of the audio chaos over there you know, why they were being quiet and what they were hearing through their, their, their brain bombs or whatever. He did a very good job of sorting all that out and making it clear for the reader. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I agree because, you know, on first read going through it at first, I thought that, um, Osita, I think that's the character's name, right? Yeah. Um, was being like mind controlled or something, but then you get to the end of the issue and they just give the, you know, the, the shush sign, you know, and you're like, Oh my goodness, that's what's happening right now. That is interesting. So really well handled, I think. Yeah. I mean, this and, is and just dead shots. Like, start. yeah, I was going to say like dead shots, like look of just absolute terror at like what's happening <laughs> is really good. Um, Which is an unusual uh, thing to see from, from, uh, What's his name? Dead from Wait. Deadshot. You know, normally, normally he's played so straight, confident. You know, yeah. I think that's what the, the best thing about this book is that after you know a fifty issue Suicide Squad run, where I feel like we talked about it from time to time, and we talked about how predictable it was, and how it would go back to the same well over and over again. It's just nice to have a Suicide Squad book that's surprising again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Where where we don't know every character and we haven't seen them all done to death. And, and, and the surprises are not necessarily who dies and who doesn't die. It's the plot itself is just surprising. You know, I was legitimately taken surprised by the end and, and intrigued by where this is going. And, and to that point, I hope that this series does two things 
just to get it out of the um, sort of cycle of Suicide Squads we've gotten recently. Number one, I hope that a couple of these new characters stick around for a long time and aren't just gone at the start of the next arc or, you know, two arcs down the road. And just to show that he means business, I hope that at least one of the sort of major characters is taken off the table. Because mm. I think that the, the the criticism of Suicide Squad as a concept as of late is that the characters you care about don't die, and the characters you don't care about are gone before you get to care about them. So I would like to see Taylor play with that a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not enough sex appeal, though. <laughs> uh, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. That, okay, okay. That awful uh, Farmer's Only post about uh, Birds of Prey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I'm sorry, if you don't want every one of those characters to shoot you in the genitals with a... <laughs> <laughs> with their weapon of choice, with the glitter gun. Yes, <laughs> yes, Walter. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Fucking Ramona Flowers is there. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, are you kidding me? <laughs> oh boy. All right. Uh, let's talk about the Terrifics number twenty-four uh, before we take a break and talk about uh, Justice League. So, um, as Vince alluded to before. I read twelve issues of uh, twelve. No, I think it was. I think it was more like eleven issues of. Oh, that's uh, better. Yeah, of the Terrifics to catch up for this, and uh, I have some thoughts about that. But let's talk about this issue first. Issue number twenty-four, written by Gene Lu and Yang, illustrated by Sergio Davila. Um, I'm gonna drop something into the chat, which is the first thing I thought of when I saw the cover. Which it really doesn't look like this too much, but for some reason it's the first thing I thought of. And once you see it, I'll tell the listeners what it is. <laughs> it's the painting from the end of Ghostbusters 2 after they beat Vigo, and there's a new painting that emerges in the museum of the four Ghostbusters with Ernie Hudson looking like uh, Sylvester Stallone and Rocky IV, just, just cut like a diamond. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. For some reason, seeing them in robes reminded me of this painting. Oh, Lord. Which is now the background on my laptop. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful image. Yes. Um, oh, man. It's great. So, yeah. Um, That's great. What does that have to do with this? What, what? It looks like the cover. The cover. Okay. All right. I lost, <laughs> I lost the plot there. Yeah, it looks like the cover. Um, all right. So... I was saying to Zach Vince before you came on the line tonight that I feel like this week had a bunch of comics that worked better as parts of an overarching series than it did as a, as single issues. And I think that this issue is the best example I can have of that. I've really enjoyed Yang's run. Going back and rereading all of it, I, I think it's really clever. I think there's a lot of really fun stuff that he does here and i think that each issue really has a tone of its own like especially this last arc where, where he's been going back in time so one issue is very 90s themed one is very 80s themed one's very 70s themed and all those issues were really really lovely and had some nice storytelling devices and some beautiful art this issue just by the nature of having to wrap up i think this is actually the eighth 
issue in this since Bizarro and the Bizarre and the the Terribles joined this comic. So there's a lot to wrap up here, and I think that because of that, the issue suffers a little bit as an issue. But as the conclusion of this uh, of this Bizarro story, I think it's actually quite good. What do you guys think? Zach, take it away. I think it's good. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, like, I I think we all are, are you know, notorious. Well, maybe not notorious, because I feel like this is a really common uh, opinion that, uh, you know, dislikers of bizarro things in general, except for he who must not be named... Uh, his bizarro in red hood uh which was good um <laughs> but um the like yang does a really good job i think of like not overdoing it with the bizarro speak making it fun um and yeah, just like all the different like threads that this single issue is kind of juggling you know you have <laughs> there's really like so many things that happen in this issue both like in the context of the story and the arc and then also just like just concepts in general you know you have you have time travel you have simulations you have the four horsemen of the apocalypse you have time traveling angels you have oh probably a lot of other things that i'm missing but it's just wild and i i loved it and i want to talk about the page um with um Oh crap! What's his Paula? Um, I want to talk about the page with Paula eventually, but mm-hmm. yeah, I I I liked this issue quite a bit. This book under Yang, I feel pretty comfortable saying is better than this book under Lemire. Yeah, I think I'll agree with that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that too. I think. Um... It's not earth-shattering, but it really does show why Gene Lun Yang is such a good writer because it's a really tough task to write a book like this after its initial pitch is kind of over, after the original creators leave, and to to make it something your own and give it your own voice. And uh, I think he's really done that, and it's with some really unexpected characters. And... I think, you know, okay, one example, no offense to to Robert Venditti because there's a great deal of his work that I really like, uh, particularly Hawkman. But like when Venditti's on a fill-in job, sometimes you can really tell it's a fill-in, you know, and that doesn't mean it's not a competently written fill-in, but it, but it means it's just that, you know, whereas I think like, I don't know whether fill-in is an accurate word for this, but, you know, sh- surely they're they're not keeping the terrifics going because it's greatly important to the fabric of DC. I don't know. I, see, well, I feel like now I wait, see now, this bizarro uh, in, like, every single comic. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and we're going to talk, we'll talk about, about it. <laughs> I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about Paula at the end, and I want to say why, you know, that all might betray what I'm saying right now, but but it's certainly not being sold as super important, right? 
No, it's definitely not. Yeah, it, it really feels like an afterthought as far as DC is concerned. And yet he's just quietly going about his business writing a very good superhero action comic. Uh, kind of Fantastic Four facsimile, you know? Um and 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 you know not not being saddled with incredible artists either. Like I think Sergio Davila's art here is totally fine. But again, I would describe it as you know kind of standard fill-in type work, right? Like again, like if DC thought this book were more important, they'd be sticking a more prominent artist on it from time to time. You know, um, sure. Not to denigrate the work that's being done, but it just that's that's my point with all of this. Um, uh, but it sounds like like do you guys have anything else to say about this in general, or do we want to get into the genius level dumb stuff? Well, okay, I, I do want to say just kind of one thing, um, which is I asked the same question that, that you're asking when I was reading these eleven or twelve issues, whatever it was. I thought like I'm really enjoying this, but what does this do for DC? Right. Mm. And I think that's an important question to ask every now and then, because I think that it it helps to sort of manage expectations for things. And sometimes I think it also helps to just like look ahead for what's coming. If you can see why a book is being published, it helps you to, to sort of just get some some feelers out there for it. Right. Uh, I'm trying to look the It can't have not charted on Comicron for December, could it? That's impossible. Mm. Check and see if there was an issue in. Oh, that's a good point. Let, let, let me look December. at the month before then, then. Because it might have been one of those ones that got held to January, that, that first week in January. That is, yes, because this is the lap. Yep, that's that is most likely what happened there. Um, because my point is, I don't think the book is necessarily selling like gangbusters. I don't no. think anything that's happening in the book is necessarily earth shattering to the overall DC. Okay, so the last in November issue twenty two sold seventeen thousand copies. Mm-hmm. Now twenty thousand for a long time was sort of the cancellation point. And just for for clarification, so Nightwing sold twenty thousand that mm-hmm. issue, that month. Um, the books have sold less than that, just sort of in this general ballpark. Lois Lane, Aquaman, Batman Beyond, Batman versus Rachel Ghoul. Uh, oh, Su- that's sad for Aquaman. Yes, that's, that's a better uh, book than that. Supergirl, which I think is also a better book than that. Uh, the Terrifics, um, and like Batman Universe sold just less than the Terrifics. But it looks like now maybe. Uh, 15,000 is that cancellation point for DC. So like Metal Men sells less than that, but that was always going to be like a pet project and a limited thing. Uh Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen sells less than that. Mm-hmm. Uh The Last God sells less than that. Um and then you see a bunch of like the uh like Gotham City Monsters is way oh. below there. That's sad, dude. which is sad. Doom, but, uh, Doom Martian, Patrol, way to the world. Yeah, Martian Manhunter, like, but but those books, I, I I think people just buy limited series differently than they buy 
ongoings for whatever reason. For sure, sure, uh, yeah. But so anyway, my point was that you know I was, I was trying to to figure out why this book survived the New Age of Heroes Order sixty six, and then it survived the entire creative team shift. And it's still going. And the April solicit looks baddy. I sent it to you guys before. It's basically mm-hmm. like the genius council of the DC uh, universe, like the uh, like the council of reeds from Hickman's uh, Fantastic Four run. You know, there's there's just some wild stuff still happening, and I don't really know why the book is coming out still. And I, I tried to come up with with answers for it, and the only answer that I came up with was that they think that Gene Yang is important enough to keep around, and if he's happy doing this. And you know, seventeen thousand people are buying it. Then that's good enough. Do you guys have a different answer than that? I think no. Vince might. I don't know. Did you, were you going to get at something? You mentioned Paula specifically. Well, that's just my galaxy brain. Okay. There's there's a line in here where where Bizarro says something like, "Mr. Terrific, I'm so genius level dumb." And I feel like I feel like he was speaking right to me, because that's that's me. <laughs> nice level dumb. Um, well, Zach, let's talk about let's talk about Bizarro first. Okay. Are, are you referencing the fact that 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 Bizarro, specifically in a scene from the Terrifics, I think it was issue number twenty-two, shows up in the last issue of Snyder's Justice League? <laughs> it does, and it's also shown up. Like, I don't know if you guys have noticed this. I don't feel like I'm making this up. But anytime there is, like, a kind of, like, year of the villain dress setting thing where it's kind of, like, cherry-picking things from the DCU, no matter who is there or who's being highlighted, I feel like Bizarro or that, like, Mr. Terrible, those two characters always show up every time. Yeah. Well, So I don't know. I don't know if that means DC really likes this book or if DC is, like creatives really like this book so yeah I, I, I meant to do this before we recorded and now i'm mad at myself that i didn't do it and i'm not going to do it on the air because it'll be boring but i was going to go through like let's say october or november and see what books were labeled as year of the villain tie-ins because i wonder if dc just said like all right any book selling under a certain amount is getting a year of the villain tie-in and mm. Because I think that you saw the characters from those particular books show up over and over again. So I wonder if it was just like, all right, these are the seven books that are going to be Year of the Villain tie-ins. We have to make sure that the characters from these seven books are in all those other places. That could be. But that that, that placement in Justice League, which we'll talk about later, seriously threw me for a loop. Because... Um, it's in a sequence that shows a panel from uh, Bendis's Leviathan stuff, Doomsday Clock, <laughs> of all things, and then the freaking Terrifics. Like, I saw that and I'm like, what is that? Like, in the moment, I've been reading Terrifics all along, but in the moment of reading Justice League, I saw that page and I was like, what is that Bizarro even from? Like, I know what these <laughs> other panels are, I know what these panels are from. What is that one from? And then I, it took me like five minutes to figure out, oh, that's the Bizarro that's in the Terrifics as part of the Year of the Villain stuff for the Terrifics. Why is that panel in here? <laughs> <laughs> like, why did Snyder decide that that was the Year of the Villain book that he was going to 
reference for this, you know? Um, so I don't have any answers as to, to what greater meaning that could have, if any. Maybe he was just saying, let's show a Year of the Villain book, you know? Right. Throw, throw any Year of the Villain book in that panel, you know? I also think you could maybe make the point that, and again, we're jumping ahead to the Justice League chat here, but like the end of Justice League is all about all of time kind of coming together. And because mm-hmm. this series was playing with the idea of time as a concept, yes, maybe that's why. Which leads me to my next point, which this is, this cannot be true. I mean, I'm, I'm, way, I'm wrong about this. Okay. But, but what this, if you weren't? Well, though? what if I'm not? This thing with Paula going to the beginning of time, meeting, uh, she doesn't directly come out and say it, but meeting God, right? Quote unquote God, and getting these wings and this sword that can cut through time seems kind of like a bigger deal than, <laughs> than a throwaway plot for half of an issue of the Terrifics. Don't you think? I do, and actually, I had I was gonna save this for our Crisis on Infinite Earths chat in a few weeks. Yes, but this seems like something straight out of Crisis. Absolutely! Oh, I'm glad <laughs> we're on the same page. Yes, That's exactly this, what I was thinking. This is totally. It wouldn't have been. No, it would have been. This is perfect. She would have been the last survivor of her planet. Yes, and and she would have been gifted by by one of the characters this sword and, and that she would have been said like you'll know when to use this and, <laughs> right 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 yeah. okay all right yeah so then, so then i'm just i'm thinking like what if this really is more important than we think and it's now I, that's generally not the way that comics work anymore like usually you know what's important usually you know what counts and everything that's going to matter to a storyline or whatever is more or less kind of flagged for the reader, right? Yes. But it seems like, you know, let's say Paula went back in time and she met quote-unquote God or maybe like in at DC, like the presence, you know? Right. The idea of God at DC. What if that is like some secret MacGuffin for the time shenanigans that come next? Thinking also about how Rip Hunter is in Hell Arisen and Phantom Stranger is in Hell Arisen, and we know that Phantom Stranger has uh, butted heads with the presence once or twice in his life, right? What if this is a part of that, and this is more important than anybody is kind of talking about or thinking about? Well, here's here's my question, okay? Uh-huh. Is there something about Paula specifically that needs to be the one to cut through space and time with the sword? Because if it's just about that sword, that sword could have been introduced anywhere. Is there something about her that you think is so important? Well, I think there might be, but we just don't know it yet. Because, first of all, she's got a completely new costume in this form. You know? Yes. Uh, second of all, she flies off at the end of this issue saying, like, we're not done with this conversation, Michael Holt. So clearly their their relationship obviously is going to deal with this in the future. But what if, I mean, again, her flying away still with this gear. If this were any other, if this were just a MacGuffin for this arc or this issue, 
they would have done away with the wings and the sword by the end of the arc, right? They would have said, uh, "It oh, you used it and it disintegrated, right? <laughs> it died <laughs> you know went I, back to its own planet, yeah. Exactly, it did, it, it, you're right, right, right. But now it's Poochie. We're, now, we're, now I'm going to be thinking about it every week. I'm gonna be saying where's I'm gonna be saying where's the time sword, and I just think that having her fly away with the with the wings and the sword still is just too big. I mean, she's cleaving through time and sending them back to whatever point she wants to. That seems too big to just drop and forget about, especially with all this yeah. other time stuff going on. And what, not not just through time, but through the com medium itself. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Folding pages, ripping pages. Yes, absolutely. Trapping the the terribles in a jar in one single comic page, which is a great that was a fantastic image. Yeah. Um I'm just thinking like what if what if Paula Holt in this form is like the five G replacement for Michael Holt, or if she's not the replacement She's going to be one of the, let's call it an avatar, that bridges. And she could almost be like the harbinger. Yes, yes, exactly. What if she is like the harbinger figure of 5G, where she's going to be the bridge between what came before and after, and whether she's going to help the 5G heroes or she's going to help the previous generation, you know, whatever. She's going to be like a player in all of that. Don't you think that that, that there's some merit to that? I do. I, I, I just, I'm just waiting for us to never see this character again now. Well, yeah, that, that's why I said at the beginning of this, that it's too, it's too galaxy brain to be right. But I wonder seems- if, I wonder how involved Yang is with 5g. If I were DC, he'd be pretty involved. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't. This is this this is his first ongoing since New Superman. Has he ever done two ongoings at once for DC? No. Mm, no. Nope. But I'm, new, but New Superman seems like that would be a great five G character. Oh, you're right. Oh, New Superman's totally gonna take over one of the super books. Oh, I hope so. Or or what if he leads a JLI? Oh, baby. (laughs) All of our ideas are too good to happen. (laughs) Yes. Although, I will say, for a relatively low price, DC, we can run everything for you, and all these good ideas will happen. You're having a lot of editors jump ship lately, and I I guarantee you we will undercut their salaries. (laughs) If we can work remotely, absolutely. (laughs) Hell, if we can, if we can just have a, a a living wage there, if I can just live in that city, uh, and be able to afford it, um, I'm yours. <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be anything extravagant. I got a lot of genius level dumb ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we all do, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, we do. Oh, and I don't. I don't. I don't come without my boys either. Yeah, well, you, of course, you guys, you guys get hired too. That goes without saying. It's all for one and one for all in this in this deal. Yeah, um, you're my assistants. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be your assistant. Aw. 
Zach is so agreeable. I'm 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 like um the the Witcher author guy who does not like to work very much. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh God. Oh. All right. Well, let's take a break, and when we come back, we will talk about the finale of Scott Snyder's Justice League. So stay tuned. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back with our review of Justice League number 39, the Justice Do More finale, written by Scott Snyder, illustrated by Jorge Jimenez and Daniel Sampier. Guys... This doesn't end anything. No, it's not an end. Not no. <laughs> it's a beginning. <laughs> um, it's so frustrating. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. So uh, I do want to say that at the the very end of the issue, like after the story closes... We're given this, you know, what's coming next. We see Justice League. We see an, an all-new story by an all-new creative team. But we know that's not going to touch any of this, right? At least we presume it's not going to. I mean, I get, I don't see how it could. I don't see how it could right? either. And then we get over here, it's like Hell Arisen, the finale between the Batman Who Laughs and Lex Luthor, which also has nothing to do with this, <laughs> with this series anymore. And then it's this... Well... And- I mean, I wonder. Yeah, there. What if? What if essentially? Yeah. Say again, Zach. Oh, I was just gonna say, finish your thought before I. I, I have a question. I'm I feel, about to like get pedantic. Well, I, okay. I, I feel like what Hell Arisen has become is very much what this says: Lex versus the Batman who laughs. So even if, if Lex wins or loses, it doesn't change where the Justice League is at the end of this issue. That's what I mean, right? We're not gonna get a, we're not gonna get a resolution to this story in that comic. We're gonna get a resolution to this story in what just says "Get ready for the encore." The mayhem is imminent, but we have no idea when that's actually coming out. And, and, and I would bet that we get a news story in the next day or two dropping. We should say we're recording this two days before the issue actually hits the stands. I wouldn't be surprised if DC names this event or this miniseries, whatever, this week. Yeah, yeah, you're probably they right. Have, they basically have to. Yes, because but, of this, because of this page. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, I just get the feeling that what 
I am not somebody because speaking about being a pedant here, I I am not somebody who thinks that like, oh, Batman can't be in this issue because he's in Gotham here, but he's in Bloodhaven right. here. I'm not that yeah. guy. I really truly <laughs> am not. I, I I know I can verge on that sometimes, but I'm not that guy. But like, I'm but, about to be that guy. But, but when you have the seven <laughs> most important characters flying into and flying into a void, like. How is this? It just it feels very much like either this doesn't matter or nothing else matters. Cue the Metallica song uh, because there's no way this can line up with anything else. And for somebody in Snyder who is so into playing with the bigger DC universe, I don't see how you can structure the end of this book this way. It's just it feels very unlike Snyder to me. Well, okay. So this feels like the end of everything, right? Like this is the convergence point for everything. Yes. In it weirdly in the way that Doomsday Clock was supposed to be, <laughs> kind yes, of. Yes. Yes. Um. Um. So, so that would seem to indicate that Hell Arisen is happening before this. Yes. Sure. But like in that, at the very least, the, exactly concurrently, to the point where it has basically nothing to do with. But I mean, the, it's going to have to conclude. It's going to have to conclude before this. Probably. Before the before the encore, or before, before this, this issue. Before this issue. Because like Lex is much down and out, and like society is like possessed by. What's her name? Not Promethea. Perpetua? <laughs> um, crap. Perpetua, yeah. Like, this ends, like, like, she won. This is the end. Yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah. it would have to happen before that. But, like, the Phantom Stranger is in this. And in that, he is captured. So, like, not to say that, like, something couldn't happen where he would get free, but that seems like a pretty big plot point in that book. Right. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Not only that, so, I'll, I'll throw like, another level here. Like, we're supposed to be, we see Apex Lex and the Legion of Doom drawn like my seven-year-old would draw it in Action Comics. <laughs> and, we're, and, like, we're supposed to think that Superman might die there, but here we see Superman run into the, the void. It's just, I don't, you can't do a story this big if you're not going to line it up with everything else, right? Yeah. Well, I I think that, like, I mean, may, yes, I think so. This really does feel like the end. Also, I don't know if you noticed in Action Comics, the Will Payton Starman was in that, and he's been dead for, yes. like, several months now. Um, yes. So, I mean, like, comic continuity is dumb. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But like, I think especially like, and and maybe maybe Hellarisen will like explain this or whatever. But Tynion and Snyder work really closely together on this stuff, so right. I would kind of expect it to be really tight. Right. And it feels very loose. <laughs> it is. Well, and the thing the thing I that, that I come back to is. To me, there is nothing wrong with comics coming out slightly out of order as, chronolo chronologically. Definitely as, not, as, yeah. As long as they're not spoiling 
big moments before the moment happens because you want to see that moment presented in the way that it was meant to be seen the first time. Yes. You know? So like the worst thing would be if like a book got delayed and then you learned about something that happened in that book before that book came out, you know, in a different comic. Uh, I'm sure that's happened in the past. I can't think of any specific examples, right, but right. I'm I'm certain yeah. that's happened. That's clearly not what's going on here. And so what I would think is that at the very least, you would get editorial boxes saying this is exactly when this takes place, right. you know? Because we all know that Snyder, when he plans out a story, and surely he includes uh, James Tynion in this, he's got a big whiteboard or whatever, and he doodles these things, and he does it very meticulously. And he says, this issue's coming out here, and then we're going to have this and this and this. Here are some side stories. And he he maps it all out, you know? Uh, I have to think either editorial just doesn't care at this point or, or somebody dropped the ball or they're not interested in filling these comics with boxes because they just expect readers to grab all this stuff and more or less digest it at once. And just kind of, if, if they're trusting the reader to slot things where they should go, I mean, I I'm fine with that, but I, a lot of people wouldn't be, you know, there are a lot of people that are bothered by this yes. and I can kind of, and I can kind of go with the flow but I, I do sympathize with them on this one because it really is so out of order, it seems. Um, I also think I also think that part of the problem is that it really feels like Snyder's Justice League run got decidedly truncated. I think that's that I think that's actually what happened behind the scenes. Um it's the only way for me to explain why it, it just seems to end with issue 39 by not ending the story and why Venditti is going to pick up because they can't not publish a justice league book. This is what I think. T t tell me if you think this makes any sense. They know when the next quote unquote crisis is going to start or when, or when their 5g lead up is going to begin. They need things to be done by then. They need Grant Morrison's Green Lantern to be done by then for one, for one example, right? Mm -hmm. They essentially need Scott Snyder's justice league to be done by then. So they needed to end justice league early. If they were going to do this sequel to metal before 5g starts, I will Does throw one, sense? I'll throw one, uh, curveball into that. Okay. Which is, I would say that, it's more likely that Snyder's Justice League run was always going to be 39 issues, but that when he started it, Doomsday Clock ended six months ago. Mm. And so his crisis might have been starting in, in March or April of 2020 before Doomsday Clock was wrapping up in December. And so because Doomsday Clock got so delayed, everything just got shifted down but because his run was already at a certain point, they figured, all right, let's just let's just can this shit and 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 fill some time before that crisis happens. Yes. So essentially, I've also essentially got another wrinkle too. Oh, what's that, Zach? In that, well, 
Capullo is, I mean, not Capullo, Snyder has said that if Capullo couldn't do whatever this next crisis story was going to be, this like metal sequel, if he couldn't do it, then that story was always going to be told in Justice League. And so, uh. um, I like, I wonder, I think that is a piece of it too. Cause I think, I think Doomsday Clock and its schedule messing everything up is definitely a part I think that they know when uh, 5G is going to start. And I think Capullo being available to do the series is also why this story ends so weird. Because if Capullo hadn't been around, it would just keep going. It would just keep going. Yep. I, I think we figured it out, boys. <laughs> I think we I think we put our noggins together and, and, and figured this one out. And there is nothing in in my mind that makes it more obvious that this is like editorial running running justice league running the clock out on this book than than the fact that the end of this issue very literally this is going to sound like an insult to snyder and i don't totally mean it that way although it's not the most elegant way to to end the issue but it basically has like the editors uh talking to the reader saying like yeah, uh, every story matters after this. Uh, this is our new our new initiative is exactly what Uncle Rich told you. Everything matters. Here's here's the timeline. We're, we're you folks love this shit, don't you? <laughs> and just like <laughs> waving it in our faces like you're talking about putting the Justice League in these black suits in a in a void world standing in front of the quintessence basically explaining to you how DC comics are going to be published from now on. <laughs> and that's not compelling storytelling, but that is clearly the message that the DC editors want to get across. Is that, I mean, does that, does that sound right to you? It doesn't seem like this is how Snyder necessarily wanted to end his well, run on this book. Okay. I, I will say this. I don't think Snyder sees this as the end of his run on the book. Mm-mm. No, like, but I, but I, but I, what I mean is, I don't think he would have wanted it to end that abruptly anyway. By them saying go through this door, go through this magical MacGuffin door, and everything uh, you need is on the other side of it. You know, like that. That doesn't seem like how this was gonna go. Okay, I, I can agree with that. I do think that uh, Snyder has said, like from the beginning that metal that that like that <laughs> that in a way if you discount his detective comics run everything he's been doing has followed a straight line mm-hmm. and so I, I think you also probably have to dis- discard his um his superman unchained and also his uh, all-star batman um runs but i think if you look at like batman led into metal which led into Justice League, which is leading into Death Metal, whatever it's going to be called, mm-hmm. like that he doesn't see this as the end of anything. So I don't know if he would be as bothered by the ending because it feels in a way like a cliffhanger, right? And I think if you know that the cliffhanger is coming, you can deal with the cliffhanger. Sure. Like if we knew, or rather, or rather, let me, let me rephrase that. If we even knew, if it's told in a very lazy way. <laughs> yes. If if we knew when the cliffhanger was going to pick up, I think we'd have a very different feel for this entire thing. 
Yes. If we knew that this that the Justice League is going to run into um into the, you know this white this white void of space in in January, but come July we're getting this new series. Even if it's that far away, I feel like you can say, "All right, well I know when this is going to pick up." We just know that it will pick up at some point. Mm-hmm. And that makes it seem less important and less um meaningful i guess i guess to me it's to me it seems meaningful but it seems thrown together at the last minute like that whole final scene where they're just they're standing in front of a door and they're talking to the the quintessence like all of that stuff just felt like it was uh fan service (laughs) i mean i I definitely don't i don't disagree with that um I wonder if there were a number of ways that they could have ended this. And this was like the, okay, if Doomsday Clock wraps up before this, and, yes. if, and, and if we haven't wrapped up Hell Arisen yet, then this is the ending. And there were like four or five different ways they could have done those last few pages. Yes. That, yes. Yep. And this was the, this is like the most on the nose metatextual version where you have them standing around literally saying, ah, we're not a part of this story anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, one of the characters actually says that, you know, yeah. I think it was Aquaman. Um, uh, I mean, I am definitely excited about what comes next for sure. I always am. I always, I always hold out hope that the next thing is going to be great. Um, I just thought, and what you say is true. If we knew exactly what was coming next and how this was going to go publishing wise, we would feel differently. But right now I just feel like, okay, I saw the, I saw them losing against Perpetua. You could see that coming. And then this little sort of epilogue thing was just felt really tacked on to me. Uh, Um, I'm just scrolling through these last few pages as we're talking about this. And is it weird to anybody else that last week we had a totally different Wizard Shazam in a comic? Yep. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Yep. Uh, and, oh, and, wait a minute. And a totally different High Father last time we saw High Father too. Yep. I mean, what, this is... What, different, what High Father did we have last time? I feel like we had the older High Father last time, didn't we? Oh, like in this book, you mean? Like in DC in general, isn't High Father currently depicted as older than that? Or is that just me reading no, the comics? No, I think... I, I think this is the one that we have right now. Okay. okay. Still, well, but you're I definitely think... right about the Shazam. Yeah. Yeah. Also, doesn't quintessence imply five, and yet there's six people here? Well, I think that's always been the case. Um, because. Point... Oh no! Th- this is what it is. I know the answer to this. I'm a huge nerd. Zach, what were you gonna say? You you sound like you were just gonna say something. Quint Quint is five. Yeah, yeah, but there's six people there. Oh, but there's six people. You're right. Yeah, oh, my right. gosh. <laughs> You're right. Here, here's the answer to that. I have the answer. Uh, the quintessence is from Kingdom Come, right? That's the first appearance of the quintessence. Okay. Do you know that? I, I know that because I just read Kingdom Come from my local library. <laughs> um, okay. Visit your library, folks. And in Kingdom Come, it's it's... Ganthet, hang on. It's Ganthet, High Father, Shazam, Phantom Stranger, 
and Zeus, I think. And I think Hera takes Zeus's place here. Okay. And the specter, the specter was not a member of the quintessence, but in future appearances of the quintessence, the specter is like always with them for some reason. So they call him the quintessence because the original configuration was five people, but the specter is more or less thought of a member of this group, thought of as a member of this group. So he, he's the fifth beetle of this. Group. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. He's the, he's the, who's the fifth beetle. I depend on who you listen to George Martin, Brian Epstein or Stuart Sutcliffe. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Or Mike Myers. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, Mike Myers wishes. Um, continuing the, the week of politics at DC, uh, didn't you guys think that Perpetua is supposed to be f- our freaking president? Yes. <laughs> yes. Th- this, this issue was so on the nose as far as that stuff was confirmed. At one point, Batman looks at the reader and says, we lost the vote. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Then, then they go on an, a whole commentary on uh, gerrymandering. Yep. <laughs> Perpetua says she has rigged the world through her creation of it. Um, which, by the way, gerry, gerrymandering is no joke. Like, I'm not making light of it. But this was just about as on the nose as you could be uh, saying, like, <laughs> I made a joke once that at the end of uh, Snyder's Justice League, a character was going to turn to the reader and say, this was a climate change metaphor. <laughs> and I was really not that far off. No, you weren't. <laughs> what did you guys think about that? It's Just pretty the, lazy. The whole politics. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there it's these big metatextual ideas that that are certainly valid. And, and Snyder always talks about how he writes about his fears or whatever. Right. All of that is totally valid, except that I feel like this is just so on the nose. It's just such a, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I feel like, I don't know if this is on Snyder or if this is on editorial, but I feel like they don't trust us to understand the implications here. So they have to ramp up the rhetoric so much that there's no way you cannot understand the rhetoric. Yeah. You know, it's basically saying it's a metaphor. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Zach, you wanted to get in on this? I mean, you've pretty much said it all. Yeah, it's it's right there, which I think we also wasn't it that issue it was like three or four issues ago where they were all standing around the table and it was like pretty explicit then too. Yeah. Do you remember the one I was talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um yeah, so that, that it's been in this run already, but yeah, this this issue especially, it was there, um, which like <sighs> no, I'm not gonna say it. Yeah, I mean it's more it's more proof that like like I agree with I agree with the things that. Snyder is afraid of, right? Like I, yeah. I see eye to eye with him on all that stuff. And that's just me. That's my perspective. You know, um, I know everybody's different, but, but I happen to agree with the way generally with the way that he feels about things. Right. And that didn't make this 
issue of Justice League any better for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So so the, when people talk about politics in, in comics or whatever, um, yeah, I think it's cool to have them in a certain point. Like, I think, I think uh, the way that Suicide Squad, as we talked about earlier, used, like, a criticism of American imperialism within the plot was really clever and really good. Um, I think there's a way to to do what Snyder's doing. I think he's done it before to a better effect. Um, th- this was just too obvious to me to the to the detriment. I'm not calling it out for being political. I'm just calling it out for being too obvious and and less about. <laughs> you know what you know what I'm saying? Like, I want politics in my comics, but I don't want them to be like. I don't want Batman to look at me and say, ah, we blew the 2016 election. (laughs) (laughs) The damn Russians (laughs) caused this, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. He he calls Perpetua an orange Cheeto. (laughs) Um... What if he just turned to the camera and just said, Gary Johnson, folks. <laughs> what if there was like a third, like a third force that was there that siphoned off like just enough justice <laughs> so that Doom, so that Doom got it? <laughs> or better yet, they he should have made it so that justice really did have the overwhelming <laughs> power, but but the Joel Stein force. Uh... Well, no, I, but I was gonna say the, the oh, mechanics the of the vote. totality, yeah. the, the, the totality college. Um... <laughs> there's there's five pages of a really arduous explanation about why they set it up this way and. When the quintessence, when the quintessence put this all together, yeah. they, they were they were worried. The totality. Yeah. They were when worried the... that 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 people in rural counties wouldn't have superheroes, and yeah. so they... <laughs> that's the soup. That's the Superman theory. <laughs> that's that's the Doomsday Clock. Yep. Okay, for so for every one of the monitor's vibrational tuning forks, you get <laughs> ten electoral votes. Back on our bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just, you know, there's there's got to be a way to do it without 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 Batman saying like, "Geez, I wanted a tax break, but not like this." You know, like yeah. <laughs> uh. Um but I you know, I love Scott Snyder. I really do. Like I, I, I look forward to everything he writes. Um, I'm looking forward to death metal, surely, or whatever it's called, or, you know, however he's going to end to this. I just think the way that this was handled by everyone involved to, to make the last issue of his justice league run. I, I don't care if it's not the last issue of his story. It, it just really felt way too obvious and and kind of like a fart in the wind. By the way, I th- I think that your point is reinforced by the fact that none of us have talked about a single thing that happened before those last five pages. 
Well, except for the, all the all the on the nose political talk. Yes, yes, but 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 in, but in terms of storytelling, we haven't really talked mm-hmm. about it. I think that the there's just, there's just not that much to say. No, I I got one thing I wanted to talk about for sure. That's before before those five or six pages. Uh, the moment where Martian Manhunter like well when all when all the heroes get zapped away right and perpetua says she's starting a new starting a new story and then martian manhunter like appears in space above the moon as this like little ball this little like regenerative ball mm-hmm. that was very crisis to me oh absolutely yeah that you know, in Crisis on Infinite Earths, you see the birth of the multiverse, and then in issue like eleven or something, you see the ten or eleven, you see the birth of the one of the one Earth. Well, it's really the antimatter. I know Earth. what you mean, though. Yeah, you know what I mean, though. Like b- coming out of nothing, right? And that bit with John really evoked that for me and i don't know if it was meant to he immediately knows something is wrong um but i found that to be an interesting parallel yeah i could definitely see that um I, i was thinking that in terms of like 5g uh uh like uh synchronicity here that how cool would it have been if there was a Martian Manhunter book starring Shane instead of getting Martian Manhunter back? And I love John. This isn't about John. It's just that I thought Shane was such a fun character. Yeah. I would have rather seen him go forward for a while and give John Jones a break. Yep. Same. Which kind of bummed me out when they made that switch. Uh, but what are you going to do? Bring him back. To- I was. I wonder if Snyder will bring him back in the next thing. It wouldn't be the weirdest thing in the world. No, no. He's a good. He's a good character, and good characters have a way of popping up again. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, do you guys have anything else about the earlier parts of this issue? Mm-mm. Not particularly. No. I, I thought it, I thought well, no, not really. But I thought it was interesting. Then at the end, I just wanted to mention one more thing. That page we talked about earlier that has the moment from the Terrifics number twenty-two and Young Justice with Naomi and Leviathan and Doomsday Clock. You know, I think it's there's been a lot said about does Doomsday Clock matter or is DC just going to forget about it, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there it is. There's an artist depicting like a seminal moment from Doomsday Clock in the tapestry of this. So, so Zach, you said it at the beginning of our discussion uh, of this issue that that this really feels like the culmination of Rebirth or Doomsday Clock more than Doomsday Clock did. Yeah, it does. Yeah, because they go into that door and and we don't know what's on the other side, but whatever it is, it's it's the next thing, right? 
and every and everything matters. They're so explicit about they're fighting for every story. I mean, to be they, fair, they literally though, like, say story, <laughs> right? But that's I mean, convergence. Like the pitch line of convergence was everything matters. The pitch line of rebirth was everything matters, and now the pitch line of this next thing is everything matters. Because they keep introducing things that yeah that don't matter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, and the, th- the thing is, is you can you can explain those other ones in that like you can explain convergence because it was a bridge to what would come next. It was it was a it was a designed bridge, two month bridge to whatever was coming next, which turned out to be rebirth. Which the pitch of it was everything matters, but we knew that that wouldn't be the case until it was all over, right? And we thought that the end of that was going to be Doomsday Clock, but because of its schedule, that didn't happen. And so now they had to make something else be the everything matters after this point story. And so I I, I feel like, I mean, when is everything truly going to matter? It's when we get that timeline, right? It's whenever that happens. I mean, the the, the cynical answer is it's never going to (laughs) happen because there's always going to be something that can't matter if everything matters. Like, I'm making this up. This is not a real thing. But Uh if there was a story where Batman was like, Hitler had some good points, that would never matter. Like... Uh, that was that was the Dark Knight Returns. Uh, that was uh, the Master Race, right? Uh, yeah. But like, no, but, but you know, there was always going to be problematic things that will no longer matter. There will always be creators that will get canceled, and their work will no longer matter. Like, <laughs> there's almost no way to say everything matters because they're gonna have to walk that stuff back. What this is trying to say is that in the broad strokes, everything matters. And the unfortunate, not unfortunate, because it's great. It's a wonderful reality. The wonderful reality is that that's always been true. Yeah. It's just not always been said. And so exactly. this, this is them just saying it finally. Right. And my point is they're trying to get to that timeline. The, the timeline is supposed to be the totem of everything mattering, even though even though what you say is right. What you say is right. Like, everything cannot matter. There's no way to square the circle. But that timeline is the thing that they're trying to get to. I will also say I think the three people in the world who care the most about the timeline are you, me, and Zach. So you know, I don't know if anybody <laughs> hey, else don't is forget about this... me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Didio's already passed this. <laughs> he doesn't care anymore. No, he. I All think Didio right, like a fire, this. like a uh, like a, a fruit fly who lives for three <laughs> days on one thing very excitedly and then is, is off to something else. The moment he put that timeline up on the uh, the like screen at that Comic Con or whatever, yeah. he immediately regretted it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> now that it that is like his satisfaction there. Like he got his dopamine rush, yeah. putting it on the screen, and he's like <laughs> chasing that next yeah. chasing that next hit. You know. I can just, he's pointing at it with one of those red laser clickers, like, look at that. I'm so proud. Yeah. And then, and then the next day he's like, what, what yeah. timeline? Are you talking exactly. About? <laughs> we did that already. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why three jerk jokers never came out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So Vince, what happened? What comes out next week? Ah, ugh, ah. I had it up, and then for some reason I closed closed it. Um, I don't know why I closed it before the segment of the show where I'm supposed to read it. Okay, I got it. Next week, Batman, Daphne Byrne, DC Crimes of Passion, uh, The Dreaming. Uh, it's a light week. Uh, Harley Quinn, Joker and Harley Criminal Sanity. The first issue of Venditti's Justice League right away. Uh, Justice League Odyssey, Lois Lane, the last issue of Martian Manhunter, and Young Justice. Uh, I think you might have missed one book unless it was delayed. What did I miss? Uh, Legion of Superheroes 4. Oh, they, they, they push it. I'm sorry. Delayed. They push it yep. to the 19th. My bad. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting list. Uh, did Inferior 5, did you mention that? Or that, that got pushed too? Jeez. That, got pushed. that got pushed too, yeah. Wow, you were right. This is a week full of nothing. Um, all right, well, if you need to get in touch with two-thirds of us, uh, you can find Zach and I on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. And I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is constructing his own version of the DC timeline that uh, incorporates him into all the fun moments. So he was a founding <laughs> member of the Justice League. You know, he was there. I was when, their secretary. Yeah, he, you were the snapper car of the uh, of the new timeline. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back next week with uh, with something, I guess. I don't know what we're going to talk about from those books, but we'll... We'll find something, and uh, until next time, enjoy. I hate this term, but it's sort of the most convenient way to say it. Are either of you true crime people? No. I hate all, all crime. <laughs> <laughs>